What's up, Ventis fam? Welcome to the podcast series of Ventis News. You are now listening to the fourth episode of the Sustainability Season. This show is brought to you by Ventis Learning Group, and I'm your host, Jing Han. If you're an individual who's trying to find your way around the corporate ocean or trying to hashtag up your game with your career, this is where you should be. So in today's episode, we will be continuing our discussion on sustainability from a female entrepreneur's point of view. Noticeably absent from most public conversations about sustainability are the financial considerations. In the past, whenever the environment, sustainability, recycled content, and related topics were mentioned, the desired goal was usually followed by as long as it doesn't cost more. So the reality then was that companies were all for a different approach as long as it didn't impact the balance sheet. What is different today is that many companies are actually willing to take a hit on the packing costs for the greater good of the brand and company. They are making concerted efforts to move into sustainable packaging and processing, even though in many instances these materials are going to cost a lot more. So why is this happening? Let's bring back our speaker for today, Simana, co-founder of Coco Feeder, to continue her sharing on the topic. Welcome back to our show. Thank you so much, Jinghan. Honored to be back again. I'm looking forward to to being part of the episode. So, how have you been? Yeah, I've been very well. Um, I, I hope you're keeping well as well, Jinghan. Yeah, definitely. I'm well as well. So, let's move into our questions now. So, sure. in the beauty industry, I'm sure that supply chain is required. So, how can you ensure a sustainable supply chain? Since that this is a challenge that many companies are facing out there. Sure. So you know, typically in the supply chain, I think as as you well mentioned, you know, Jinghan, there are gaps, right?、Um, I think the supply chain is not well tracked.、Uh, we need to make sure that we can actually bridge these gaps, and I think the way to do so is by bringing transparency into the into the matrix. So I'll just share with you what we have done in the past. You know,、um, we really, as Coco Veda, wanted to showcase to our consumers that we are actually a social enterprise, and not just by constantly marketing it out there or by telling our consumers or or making them try the product. What we wanted to do was really show the end-to-end traceability、uh, for the product. So we conducted a pilot、um, in collaboration with UPS and our blockchain partner. Um, and the way that we decided to focus on this was: let's say you receive a shipment today,、um, there'll be a QR code on the top of the shipment. So as soon as the customer would scan the QR code, they can actually see the entire supply chain journey. So starting off with, we are providing digital identities to our women team. So if a customer scans it, they can see who made their product. So let's say, oh wow, Lucy's made this product for me. And I think that really brings satisfaction to the customer that wow, I've received this personally by Lucy.、Um, the next thing you can see is logs. So what date and time was this product made, and the trackability of the product, which is also known as assets in the blockchain terminology,、um, at different custodies. So for example, if it's being shipped from Singapore, you can then see it stopping at China, and then it heads off to let's say Germany, for example,、um, and you can actually. Realize and and go ahead with this journey with with Coco Veda.、Um, in the future, you know, when we have our own farm, I think what we wanted to do was show this 
end-to-end traceability from farm to consumer. Uh, you know, for example, when was the coconut cut? Uh, again, which farmer actually, you know, did this? How have we supported them? How have we actually uplifted their lives? Um, I think that this is really, really different from a lot of brands today. And I do think it's, it's something that can be adopted in any industry um, to really build transparency, traceability, and trackability, Jinghan. So you're representing a company in the beauty industry. What are some of the risks and challenges you actually face in trying to be sustainable? So a lot of businesses in health, wellness, personal care, and beauty are actually transitioning towards sustainability. And I think in general, a lot of industries are actually moving towards this, right? Um, but the question is, are they moving towards this because it's a trend or are they actually doing it uh, because they're very, very happy with the good work that they've done, right? So I think as consumers, um, you know, we need to be wary of greenwashing. I think that's the most important thing. But I know that as, as consumers are becoming more conscious, we are actually choosing which brands we want to support, right? But um, sadly, we live in a world where everything is all about marketing. And really, you know, these, these big brands have a lot, of, a lot of marketing budget, you know, so it's easy for them to gain customer trust and, and gain the customer in general to actually purchase their product. Uh, but smaller social enterprises like Coco Veda, we take an organic route or we work on word of mouth. And obviously this takes a lot longer uh, than most businesses, right? So I think, I think this is one of our strongest pain points, Jinghan. It's to really get the customer to trust that we're doing good work. Uh, at the same time, get the customer to find us and retain that customer. Uh, because we do not have those marketing budgets to constantly ensure that they are seeing the ads again and again, you know, that that would ensure that they click it. So this is how I, I would answer your question. Yeah. You also mentioned greenwashing. So for our listeners out there who mm. might not heard of this term before, can you give a brief explanation? Absolutely. So greenwashing is when, um, for example, a company is claiming that they are practicing sustainability, uh, but actually they are they are perhaps over-marketing what they're doing, do not have sufficient data or impact to actually quantify what they're doing um, and are only focusing on key aspects of their, their product or their services that ensure that needs sustainability. So I think that this is how I would, I would best uh, you know, explain greenwashing. And, and it's something that, that has happened countless times uh, but I, I, like I said earlier, you know, customers are, are slowly recognizing these tactics. Yeah. And as we know, Singapore is taking urgent steps to become a green nation. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, they have started the Green Plan 2030. So can you share with our listeners what it's about? Yeah. So Singapore's Green Plan is, is a priority. Um, it's actually spearheaded by five ministries in Singapore. Um, and in a nutshell, it was, it was created to actually action the 2030 agenda and the climate change agenda, right? So this ensures overall that Singapore is a sustainable home for generations to come uh, with an immediate target to ensure we, we meet net zero emissions as soon as possible, right? So just to explain a little bit about Singapore's green plan and its five pillars, the first one is energy reset which actually focuses on utilizing cleaner energy alternatives. So for example, uh, Singapore has recently unveiled the world's largest floating solar panel farm, which is, which is really amazing to be honest, and really showcases Singapore as a pioneer. 
Um, the second one, of course, is sustainable living. And this actually comprises of sustainable transportation, education for our students. So actually embedding sustainability from their syllabus from a very young age. Um, and of course, circular economy in terms of waste management, because this is something that is an ongoing concern. And I think that this ties in perfectly with Singapore's zero waste plan as well. Um, I think the third, the third one is city in nature. Um, and this actually focuses more on ensuring that Singapore is a more greener and livable place. So they focus more on green spaces, planting more trees, having more parks near our residential areas. Um, fourthly, green economy, which I think really builds um, into the private sector, right? So that's actually introducing more sustainable jobs, make sure that, you know, companies are actually adopting sustainable practices. And eventually, I do believe that there will be an extension to Singapore's green plan, where they will actually have to report everything that they're doing. And this will soon be a mandate. That's, that's how I see the Singapore green plan evolving. And finally, resilient future which is key aspects of making sure that our, our future essentially is more sustainable. So for example, in terms of food security, we're making sure that Singapore is far less reliant on importing. So the target that Minister Grace Fu has set is um, that by 2030, Singapore should produce 30% of its nutritional food locally. Some other aspects that I think is mentioned in this is reducing the temperature. So this can be done by cooler paints or greenery. And finally, of course, uh, a dedicated focus on coastal and drainage flood product, uh, protection. So resilient future is really actually looking into the, into the future and obviously making sure that we do not have any last minute issues that arises, right? And, and essentially make sure that we do not have a pandemic uh, act, uh, you know, situation. Yeah. So what kind of steps should company then take to contribute towards the progression of the Singapore Green Plan, like transitioning to a green economy? So I, I think in the last one year, uh, to be honest, I've, I've been following the number of sustainability jobs that, that Singapore has put out there. And I'm, I mean, I'm somebody who uses LinkedIn quite a bit. So I have followed it through LinkedIn. It's definitely increased in all industries. And that transition on its own is actually showcasing that we are shifting towards a greener economy, right? But to answer your question a little bit deeper, you know, I think the first thing that, that we need to identify uh, and focus on is education, right? Because it could be that your top level uh, management understands sustainability very well, but the mid and bottom cannot practice it, right? So then what's, what's the point of actually saying that you are achieving sustainability or you're committing to it? Uh, it's, it's not actually a true representation unless everybody is practicing it in their job roles and their respective departments. Um, I think the next thing I would say is create quarterly targets, um, that's something I would recommend, you know, and that should be followed on by a policy and key roles and responsibilities as to who is actually actioning um, these targets. And then finally, once you analyze each of these targets, so you should actually quantify this data, you should measure it, you should track it. Then you should put a, a plan into place that makes sure that you're constantly improving your data. Um, so I think this is how I would actually summarize it. It's not that difficult. Uh, sustainability to achieve really is not that challenging. For some reason, it's been overcomplicated, but it's really not the case. So just the way I've explained it, I think if, if companies really take on this this um, this way, they would actually succeed. Yeah. I think that's very insightful. 
Then also, how can companies benchmark their own sustainability performance against others? So I'd say it comes down to quantifiable numbers, right? So as, as an individual uh, in, in Kokoveda, we actually use the theory of change to present this. So this is one matrix where you actually track, you know, what are the inputs, the outputs, and what is your final outcome? You know, and I think that's that's very, very simple, straightforward way to do it. There are other metrics that companies are introducing, like ESG, for example. Um, I think the bottom line is how much impact have you made for your planet, the beneficiaries that you support, and has this translated to any economic benefits? So that's the easiest way to really explain sustainability performance against other competitors. Uh, with that said, of course, there is a large uh, marketing role that has to play to this because your consumers will never know your sustainability performance unless you shout out about it. So, of course, you, you do need to do that. There is no doubt you need to do that. Um, but I think at the first step really is quantifiability. Yeah. How would you also encourage SMEs and young entrepreneurs like yourself to start their sustainability story? So I, I think I'd answer this question a little bit differently, right? I, I would ask them a question. You know, what exactly is stopping you from starting your sustainability story? So I think that's the first way to actually understand it, you know? I think maybe if, if I ask this question, the first thing they would say is, um, I don't know, maybe I'm not educated about it or I've not been exposed to it. And I think a lot of companies uh, and people really want to contribute to sustainability, but don't know how. So I think my, my advice would be different for companies and of course, as, as an individual, right? So my advice to companies would be, don't wait for a policy to start complying because at the end of the day, um, starting your sustainability strategy today will actually give you a head, heads up in terms of the opportunity, right? You will actually end up being a leader in your respective field. So I think that's the first thing I would say is, is seize the opportunity today. Um, and my encouragement to young entrepreneurs um, or individuals in general is that we all start somewhere, you know, and I think the important message here is just to start. So at the end of the day, every little action does make an impact. So just start, you know, it's absolutely fine if it's a little bit, but you can constantly improve as, as you grow and, and learn more about it. Okay, so now before we end this podcast session on sustainability business, so could you also leave us another take-home message for our listeners or any golden rules that encourage you to keep going? Sure. My, my golden rule for this segment is don't wait for tomorrow. Start today. And the best way you can start is by creating a strategy, quantifying your impact and driving it to make sure that it's successful. Thank you, Sim. Thank you for joining our podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jinghan and Aventis, for this opportunity. Really looking forward to, to seeing the end result. Thank you so much. Hi, Aventis fam. From this session, we now know that in addition to driving social and environmental change, sustainability initiatives can contribute to an organization's overall success. In today's ever-evolving world, debating whether to incorporate sustainability into your business strategy is no longer an option. Considering a value-driven approach when developing business strategy and balancing the purpose of becoming a sustainable business while maintaining profit is the new key to long-term success. And with that, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Ventis Snow Season 6. If you do have any questions regarding the topic of business sustainability, do drop down your questions in the comment section below or drop us a DM. We're available on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Telegram, as well as Spotify. 
Don't forget to like, share and subscribe to us for more podcast episodes and we will see you soon. Bye!